0: Today's Bible reading is chosen from Luke chapter 6, verses 37 to 42. Luke 6, 37 to 42. Let's hear the word of God. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down. Shaking together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 39. He also told them this parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained would be like his teacher. Verse 41. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother brother let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye you hypocrite first take the plank out of your eye and then you will clearly then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye this is the word of god thanks be to god Today, we are so blessed to have a vessel of honor to minister to us. This vessel has impacted our lives. And he's bringing a powerful word titled, When We Give, We Gain More Than We Gave. Hallelujah.
1: Thank you, Kwan for allowing God to use us, or use you to bless us, to magnify his soul. Thank you, Lady Kate, for leading the service. Thank you, ushers, children's department, technicians, those at the entrance, and all worshipers. Welcome to the house of God, hallelujah. And all our deacons are seated, Church is ready to go. Let me thank God on your behalf for ushering us into the month of December hallelujah whatever has happened to the black stars we are in December praise the Lord amen whatever happened is history but life continues and because we are in December let me also remind you of our very good tradition we have here of honoring God but also looking out to the need of others who are in orphanages those who are deprived about the Christmas free will offering table. Last year we got some. It wasn't enough. We will top it up this year and give it to some designated houses of charity so that they will also chop Christmas small. You know on the 25th of December all the Calvary family we are meeting here. All the Calvary family from Botiano, Amasaman, OEB, Adabraka, we are all having a joint service here. It is Sunday morning, 25th and so we are coming as a family, so be ready to come. And before I go to the sermon also, let me thank all the Family Life people, the Family Life Month and the emphasis. Oh yes, so give them a hand, give them a hand for your leadership, for the innovative programs, for the prayers behind the scene, and for all that has gone into this. It was meant to edify us, to educate us, so that we can truly live as people who want to please God by living according to family values. If you have any comments or questions, the family life people are always here to help us. Thank you. And I can see some uh, uh, foreign players who have come home. If I mention their name now, when you were sitting down, there, I thought it was TD Jakes. I had to look twice to find out that uh, TD Jakes lives in America, not in Canada. So, uh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. Eh? All right, so welcome. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, Mr. Sinclair, you can see him clearly. So, is that TD Jakes? Is that okay, all right. Today we are talking about a very important topic. When we give, we gain more than we give. And I've been giving a passage. Uh, I don't have too much time to go into the background of all of this. But suffice it to say that occasionally we set time aside as a church to remind us and to teach us about giving. So I'm not going to do a verse-by-verse exposition of the chapter that was read. I would have loved to do that. I mean, that's what I really delight in doing. But once in a while, you preach topics in order to help people to learn it and to teach. So because we are talking about unshakable faith in God, because our belief is that we are put together as a church, to worship God and to be a vibrant community and to carry the message to everyone, it is important for us to understand a few things about giving God more than, I mean, God giving us more than we give him. And because we keep hearing over and over and over again that there are difficult days coming. And the difficult days, these are just the beginning for what they tell us. And people have already started uh, going to church on shift. They don't even appear on Zoom. They don't even appear online because they have no money to buy data. They have all kinds of uh, reasons, some legitimate, some not legitimate but it's up to them. But we need to understand a few things about how God relates to us and how we must relate to God in good and so-called bad times and stay ready for His coming. So, one more time, I'll deliver to you today what I believe is the word of God from me, from, I mean, from me, through me, to you and I, that will not be hearers of the word only, but doers. Let us pray. Gracious God, what a joy it is to come to your house and to read your word, that you love to speak to us, your children, and we also love to hear from you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, most holy and gracious God. Amen. What are we trying to do with this topic? When we give, we gain or we get more than we actually give. That's when we give to God, the God of our Father, the God of Jesus, the one who is the true I am, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, I want us to understand something else. Today, just going back to the basics for us to understand the practice and the biblical basis of giving, to understand the practice and biblical basis of giving. Brothers and sisters, we are all human beings. And if you live in this world, there are a number of things that will quickly stare in your face when you are growing up, either by what you see others doing or what begins to stir you up and keep you awake. And it has to do with questions, questions such as, (laughs) who made me? Who made this world? Why am I here? And when you see somebody dying, whether they are young or old, and they put them in their grave or they burn them or whatever they do to them, you wonder, hey, so where are they going? And where will I spend eternity? These are hard questions of life that every, excuse me to say, normal-thinking human being ponder about any day not most of the time but sometime and take it from me and you can google it and find out this is the basis of religion religion is human beings trying to understand life questions and trying to understand God we used to fight that religion is man reaching out to God and Christianity is God reaching out to man I'll not get into those things today but I'm just talking about religion And because our religious inclinations, as captured by Augustine, is that it is God who made us, and He has put a void in us that can only be filled by God. Because some do not know this God, whatever we call general revelation, what they see and what they are puzzled about, they therefore attribute some gods as the ones responsible for all these things that I'm asking. Who made me? Where am I going? When I die, what do I do? And so almost all cultures have relig- religious rituals to try and satisfy themselves and answer these questions. And what are some of the common rituals? Any religion that you would think about, they have things they call prayers. Whether they are pouring libation or incantation, it's a prayer that they have. They have gifts that they give to their gods. Whether it is the Amagans, you go to some parts of Accra, it's still there. A huge shrine in the center of the city of Accra, of the city of uh, La. And you see all these things around it. You. you say, What is this? And occasionally, you see all kinds of things surrounding that Amagan. You will see it. In my village, it is there. You see palm oil, this and that. In fact, when I was going to school, they taught us something. When they have gifts that they give to these gods, you who are students, when you are sufficiently hungry and you only want to eat, you can go that, to that place. And if you are courageous enough, what about the gift to the gods? Provided you are only hungry and you want to eat it, nothing shall harm you. And I cannot confess that I've eaten it a few times. I tried to remember whether I ate it. But whether I ate it or not, I'm still alive. Okay, so I'm saying there are things that people do in terms of religion. Prayer, fasting, giving, offering, and how many cows and chickens have suffered in the hands of all these fetish priest shrines. When they say, bring this, bring this, bring this. Even when they have found herbs, that will cure you. In order to make it look, Ghanaian English, oh, they bring chicken, bring cow, bring this. And they collect all of this thing. Somehow, even talking skulls, that will talk to you. And drafts, that will talk to you. <laughs> and they have systems of trying to tell you, your grandmother died because you killed her or someone. They have all kinds of systems. I'm seeing... This is religion. That is why in our languages, particularly I can't, that's why I know very well because they say it very well. So What is it? Nobody teaches anybody about God. But whether that knowledge of God is the correct one or not, is debatable. So what we say in biblical terms is that general revelation is not sufficient to save anybody. That is why God followed up by giving a specific revelation of Jesus Christ, who was born, whose birth we celebrate on Christmas. So general knowledge can cause anybody to have things that they do because they are trying to answer the religious question, who am I, who made me, where am I going when I die? Today we'll be looking at two basic things in terms of outline. We'll look at the biblical basis for giving or tithing, why people do it, and secondly, We'll be looking at the topic that when we give, we get more than that we actually give to God. So, if you look at the first one, the biblical basis, we'll see five things. we we'll see God as creator. We'll see giving. Why do you give to God? You give to God because it's the creator. We'll see, secondly, that worship is giving, or giving is worship. Three, God deserves your best. Number four, Come with something. God requires that he come with something. And five, you'll find some strange scriptures that the Bible actually talks about how you can misuse money. So that's a part A. Part B, we'll look at the five benefits of covenant giving. That's a quarrel that God had with his people Israel. And what was he really telling them? And what is he telling us now? We'll see again five points. (laughs) And that he is their provider. He can be their protector if they want him to. He's inviting them to be co-partners with him. Fourth, he is the promise keeper. And five, he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him and who do his bidding. So let's go back to the first one, God as creator. Like I said already, the acknowledgement of God as creator, is in everybody's heart. And that's why whether you are rich or poor, whether the culture is sophisticated or not, they have rituals that they perform everywhere. Do you know of any group of people who don't have any idea who made them or where they came from, whether they came from trees or came from Egypt or Israel, even came from holes, whether crocodiles saved them or lions or leopards saved them or whether it is the leftover of the yam that they planted or it is the turkeys that, I mean, they have all these things. So what do they do? They have yearly rituals. When you come to the Bible, and today we are talking about tithe, people immediately jump and say, oh, they are coming to talk about tithe again. If you go to Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, the earliest part we find of any giving to God is by possibly Adam and Eve, who we are not told, but we see their children, Cain and Abel. And in the simple theory of human behavior, monkey see, monkey do. So, Cain and Abel may have seen their father giving to God. So, if they give to God, then, okay, then the children also, one day, when they were of age, the two boys decided to give to God because they've seen their parents giving to God. Are you with me? The clearest example we have of somebody who did something very strange was Abraham. Abraham, God had called him. God was his friend. He was God's friend. And the man was a warrior. He went and fought and he survived. He had all kinds of booties that were under his possession. Then from nowhere, he saw a priest. Nobody knows the genesis of that priest, where he came from, where he left, called, what's his name? Bible students, help me. What's his name? Melchizedek. The prince of where? Salem. And Abraham decided to give him what? The tithe. The tenth of everything that he had. Who was this person? What was Abraham giving to him? Who commanded him to do that? That's probably the first appearance of tithe that we see in the Bible. Giving because the man has survived. The man was not killed. The man knew life must continue. God had promised him something. So, if I'm still alive, God, I thank you. God, you own everything including my life. Now... Go back with me in your thinking. So we see Adam and Eve, argument from silence. You see Cain and Abel. Then you see somebody called Abraham. There's between about a thousand years to 800 years before a man called Moses was born. And we find him in the book of Exodus, leading the people of God and giving them commandments as to how they should live and worship God. He now formulated by the grace of God who made you, who did this, who are formalizing it. What I'm trying to point out is that it wasn't Moses, the Jew, who codified giving. It is in your own and our own traditions. Abraham, where did he learn it from? Cain and Abel, where did he learn it from? And by Moses, by revelation, codified this. And I don't have time to go through with you. If you are to read what Moses meant by tithe, he's talking about at least 20 to 25%. But we are not even there. So, first, it is an acknowledgement of God as creator who owns everything. As the writer in Psalm 24 verse 1 says clearly, The earth is the laws and the fullness thereof. They and everything that is in it. Can we read it together? The earth is the laws and all its fullness the world and those who dwell therein. So, if you have to give to God an acceptable gift, your first thing, you are doing what? Acknowledging that everything comes from him yourself and everything. No matter what. If it is true, then we also learn something. If it is God that you want to give to, <laughs> and God is bigger than you and I, you must give to him as worship. What is worship? Worship is when you recognize that somebody is bigger than you. Worship is when you humble yourself before your creator, before your maker. Worship is not a very careless thing. Even if you appear before somebody who is your senior, if you are in the forces, if you are in the military, if you are in the nation, you appear before your president. Don't just go and say, hey! I remember one time President Tamils so of blessed memory, he came from a funeral in a Methodist Church in, uh, Debraka. So when he was passing, one of his uh, his relatives, Ejata, Ejata, when will you come home? And the security, said, ah, when you swat come on, get out. Asking the president, when is he coming to visit home? And the security details chased this woman away. Of course, President Mills and M remember? He said, I'll, I'll be, I'll be too long. I was standing there, so I saw what went on. They thought the woman was not giving him the proper honor. Of course, he responded. Okay, now there are people who give to God and they behave as if God is their classmate. Anything, they can just give it to you. So God will tell you if you want to worship me, you give blind goats to me, well, give that to your governor. You give that smelly coin to me, give to your governor. Now, that for most of us is the problem of Cain with God. There's nothing said about whether he was raising sheep and goat. He did it as something that he saw his parents doing. Now, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, we are told that by faith, by faith, Abel offered something that was more acceptable. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it he Indeed, speaks today. So, Cain did anything, whether it is the crops and all of that. After, If you if, if was a farmer and you found a potato and sugar cane and that's what he had, we are not told he needed to give blood. So, I don't buy that argument. For me, it is his heart attitude. And up to today, is the heart attitude. But look, it was worship. We are celebrating Christmas and there are some boxes here with nothing in them anyway. Because uh, I'm just reading, just in case some people come and visit and think that there's something in that they can take away. This is just the question. But look at it. When Jesus was born, people from the east, you can find out more who they were. Whether they were three or four, we are not told. They are the Magi. They read. And they came. And when they came, they came with parcels. And knelt before him. And they gave him gold, frankincense, and Mary. Worshiping him. Expensive gifts. Why? They worshipped him. The mother was puzzled. The father was puzzled. King Herod was puzzled. This little tiny baby in a smelly cot. You worship? Yes, they understood something. Friends, before you give to God, give us an act of worship. you get getting me. Number three. Give God your best and your first fruits. Some call it first fruit. This is from supposedly the wisest man in the world. Proverbs. The man who wrote it is called who? What's his name? Solomon. He can acknowledge God as the one who gave him everything. But he learned something. If you're going to give God, give him your best. If you're going to give God, give him the first fruit. These were farmers. And as farmers... I pretend to be a farmer, and sometimes, when you get your first fruit, when I've toiled, like my coconuts are just fruiting, and I got some fruit from somewhere. Looking at this one mango, there's this tree that this my brother had. First year, he bought one mango. Second year, two mangoes. Third year, third, three mangoes. Then the fourth year, hell broke loose, plenty. When you get that first juicy one. First, This is my labor. Let me take them. He said, honor the Lord with your first fruit. We are not farmers. We are not fishermen. We are not. So what does it mean? What do you think you deserve? Can you give it to God? Only? So in the Old Testament, they emphasize tithe as a guide. In the New Testament, as we're coming along, they talk more about giving, giving, giving. So honor the Lord. So go back to that verse. Proverbs 3. Let me read it together. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. I have seen people who have come to me, Pastor, this is my first salary. I'm giving it to God. I've seen students that are doing this. I say, where, where do you get that idea from? So, Pastor, I just want to give you said Sometimes, you see, it's, it's difficult to be a pastor because sometimes your compassionate nature can override your common sense of applying God's word. Then the person tells me, oh, pastor, I know I want to give to God as first fruit. And I say, oh, okay. So it's not anybody twisting this boy, these girls. They understand something. And I don't know who convinced them. Maybe God. The Holy Spirit. Because you, it's not easy for you to take your 800 CD's national service money, don't know where it is coming from, and say, this is my first fruit. This is my seed offering. But they understand something that give God And God has honored so many people by that behavior. If that is your lot, you can testify about it today. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. New wine. So give God first and give God the best. (laughs) Do you judge your giving? I have a long story. Just cut it short. That's been my pattern all the time. Most, Most of the time, I don't say I keep it properly. But most of the time, if I'm conscious, it's the first so I can tell you, I gave God the time, wrote the check, paid it, or gave it to the administrator. Enter. I went and sat in my car, collected the rest of the money, and I gave somebody a lift. And what did he decide to do? He decided to take my bag, my passport, my money, and everything. Oh, that was a nice month. My wife is here. It was a very nice month. I came home and I said, Joe, the money is gone. He say Why? I gave somebody a lift and he took my money. He said, what happened? I said, simple, that's all that I knew. So what are we going to do? I said, ah, give God the first one. And they took the rest away. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. It's between me and God. Lord, help me, help me, help me. Those who remember that story. Fast forward the story. 15 years later on, I was at Christian Council. This guy came. I'm looking at the time. He said, Pastor, I have not slept properly. God told me to look for you. And I've been looking for you. At, they say, you are Usu. He say, God told you to look for me. He said, yes. When you stole the money, where was He said, it was at the beach. God told you to look for me. He said, yes. How did you look for me? So I've been going from place to place. He say said, is there somebody from Calvary who is working here? Finally, he saw me. He said, so what happened? He told me the long story. And finally, he said, Even, look, people in his house, they have money. They don't give him. Finally, he slept in somebody's kiosk. And the man decided... He's not fit enough to sleep in his court. He should sleep under the kiosk. Number four, give God your best. He will sort it out. <laughs> he will sort it out. So, I'm not saying, so what I'm telling you specifically, that we will come to you that He will stop the devourer. But I'm telling you by personal experience, this will happen to me, and I could go back to God and say, fine. We are not teaching legalism, we're teaching principles, basics for understanding. Number four, Do not appear before the Lord empty handed. This is where I have problem again as a pastor and I have problem with my church people. You see, excuse me, can you ever say God God is not like our chiefs. God is not like a king. God is not like anybody. But let me ask you, can you ever go into a chief's palace empty-handed is it permissible no it's not okay it's not all right is it possible that even if you don't have anything at all you give them water or you give some people cola as chief this order I have they will take it from you hello would they take it they won't or well, some might take it because they see what i have is it possible that in trying to see that chief or king you may actually borrow something to go and tell him that money and go back and find money and pay. Because you understand that you cannot even pass the chariot to go and see the king. Well, whatever your answer is, is up to you. But look at some strange verses in the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16 and 17. Deuteronomy. It says basically, do not come before the Lord empty-handed. Where are you supposed to get the money from? I don't know. Whatever whatever you are supposed to have. Where are you supposed to get it from? Oh, it makes a demand on the Lord. On the Lord's mercy. On your productivity. On your thinking. On this. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses. At the feast of the unloving bread. At the feast of weeks. And they shall feast in the tabernacle. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. I agree. This is Old Testament. We don't live on the Old Testament. I agree. Then you see gentle Jesus meek and mild. He goes to church and he's watching people give. And he's standing there watching them. Wow, I'll try this one day. Finally, he sees a widow a widow struggling with two purses, two CDs and drops it in the basket. He said, what? This poor woman has put in more than anyone Else, Jesus is commending this one. What did he say, Madam, Take him, go chop him, go chop him, go chop him. When the woman poured the oil on his feet, say, hey, Why don't you sell it? Say, in doing that, he honors me. What, what are we talking about? Principle number four. God expects you to come to His house with something. If He doesn't give you, will you get? Will you give it to Him? So, as a lawyer say, they say it in Latin. Nemo that, quote nam, habit. You cannot give something to somebody that you don't have. So where will you get it from? Doesn't that cause you to make demands and expectations from God? Lord, give me that I'll give back to you. You know what productivity means? Because you have a certain expectation Place on yourself and your God, you do the right thing. So, the basics forgetting and forgiving. Number five. That's a one. Friends, I will have to preach a whole sermon about this. Note that there are biblical warnings about money, the misuse of money. There are a lot of them. Money is the currency of this world. God allows us to have it. He don't condemn it. But I say the love of money, is, whether it's a root or the root, depends on what you are reading but there are some who have followed money and lost their faith there are some who are guarding and guiding their money that's why they cannot even spend five cities or ten cities to buy fuel and come to church <laughs> first timothy 16 is what you should tell the rich people but look at luke 16 10 to 13. i like the bible to speak for itself some of you are photocopying you are taking pictures. You'll go back and check. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful in what is much. Jesus was giving them the parable of that shrewd steward, the thief. The master said, I'm going to sack you. And the man did all kinds of gymnastics. And Jesus said, look, the children of this world are smarter than the children of the kingdom. Then he says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful in what is much. And he who is unjust in what is least, is also unjust in what is much. That's, if I've given you these small, more things, and you are not able to give it to me, how will I trust you with much? As you are now, so you will be. Okay, so the more you have some of them who have not learned it, the more stingy they become. The more they marry wives, you know, marry children, um, 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 have children, and just spend it. Then go on. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, you who will commit to you true riches. So there are riches and there are true riches. Go to the, next, the last verse. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you your own? Think about that. Now, the Lord is saying this. And uh, David, the one in the prophet prayed, Lord, help me so that I will not have too much. So I will forget you Or too little and i'll catch you the balance is somewhere there are a lot of temptations about money you think most of the things that people are doing in politics you know all these kind of things they don't know what they are doing it's money money that is driving it another conversation so there are biblical warnings you cannot serve god and mammon he gives it to you as an opportunity to be blessed how do you use it before i go to the next B. A father, this is a parable from Fred Digby, so just take it from me. A father had two children, the young one and the bigger one, older one. And this bigger one had learned something. The father would always say, after he bought them something, can you give me some? And the older one would say, I'll not give you. No matter what the father said, he would say, I will give you. The younger one, so daddy, you can hear even have it. Everything you want, you can have it. Okay. The father, towards the end of his life, called everybody and said, I want you all to hear this. This is my older son. According to our tradition, when I die, he must inherit two thirds of what I have. It's even biblical. But I have decided that my younger son would have it. Then, Why? You have been doing this to your older son from the beginning, from the beginning. To the end. Now you are going to cheat him again. He said, yes. Because your older son has not learned since. I've been teaching him. Whatever I give you, give back to me. I spend the money. I give him everything. I pay his school fees. Even now, he's doing it. Son, come and pick me and go to hospital. Say, daddy, I'll send you Uber. And the son said, Daddy, give me one hour, I'll, I'll come for you. So I've decided that everything I have, 99% will go to this first son, this second, and 1% will go to him. He's still my son. So oh, it's not fair. He says, life is not fair. What's the sense of the parable? It's simple. There are people who can tell you when you are doing the wrong thing that it is, it is right. Don't give to God. Don't give to a church. Don't vote because they say this and that and that and that. They will say all of those things to you. If I were to use some term on you, you say I've insulted you. But you say, he that is faithful in little, you join a church, a group to learn the principles of God and grow. So I have no business humanly, Fredigby level, to preach this sermon. Because it will offend people. But as a pastor, as a steward of God's mercies, if I don't tell you this, I'll be reneging on my duty. So those two sons, the older one, got one percent, and the younger one got 99 percent, and the mother was crying say yes mother that is why you spout your son and he will live with it for his children and his children's children now the quarrel between god and his people in the book of malachi go there god gives us more b i'm on b now the five benefits of covenant giving if you are a student of the bible That was the last opportunity God gave to Israel to be faithful. And after he gave them that through the prophet Malachi, my messenger, the Bible we call the silent years of the Bible. God was fed up with them. Then you see what you will get. You'll be on your own. (laughs) So, point number one. God said, interesting. It's like God telling you, people, you have no idea what I have in store for you. Like that boy and the father. The older one had no idea the kind of thing that the father had for him. And God is telling the people in Malachi's day, people, I am your provider. Read for me, Malachi 3.10. I am the one who provides for you. The gun said, my guy is not very good. It is God who kills before we eat. It is God who gets you up, who wakes you up before you even put on your trials to go. Is he give you the sense it is he. So in Malachi he said, bring all the ties into your store, into my storehouse that there may be food and try and see the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you blessings that there will be no room for you to receive it. You can choose to believe him or not believe him. And uh, what he's talking about here, I'll open windows for you and pour blessing. It is the same word That was used when God opened the heavens and poured the rain on Noah when the ark came. What happened? Some were saved and some were destroyed. So God is saying, (laughs) you will get more than you give me. Yes, I am what? Your provider. You people don't want it. Go ahead. He told some, you work and put the money in your pocket and you will get a haircut for it. (laughs) Heaven, there's no haircut. Do not lay out for yourself treasures in heaven where thieves and moths to you. There's no haircut. There's no barber. There's nothing. It will never happen. Number two. All right. <laughs> What's number two? Okay, two? Second one. I'm not only your provider. I'm also your protector. God is what? Your protector. All this ammunition and all the things that you have. What did God tell them in verse 11? Verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that it will not destroy the fruits of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field says the lord of hosts whatever you need to be protected from i don't know you see it is it is it is excuse me this it is childish to reduce everything to money terms when god says he's your protector i told you the story before about the man who went and got Juju. And the Juju is that, I want to be bulletproof. So he went somewhere and they shot at him. And he said, when the person shoots at you, run! And catch the person. So he ran and caught the person and shook him. A year later, he went back to thank the Juju people for protecting him. Then he said, oh, look, I don't understand. When I came for the Juju, I didn't want anybody to shoot me. I, 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 so, what did you want? How do you know that the juju works? No, I didn't even want anybody to shoot me, and I had to run like that. People were looking at me. He said, If you don't want the juju to work, then don't come here. But the way the juju works is that you must verify it. He said, No, I, that's not what I wanted. Short story, long story short. The priest told him, The fetish, me, as for what you are talking about, it is only one man who can do it. He said, What one man? He said, That small boy. Who was born around the end of the year? People celebrate him. Said, which small boy? So, small boy, danger. You don't know him. Said, no. Ah, so, ah, Jesus! The Juma fell down. Said, we don't call his name here. We don't call his name here. We don't call his name here. But let me tell you, he's the one who is able to wipe things from people's minds, who is able to change diagrams, x ray reports, and all this type of thing. He's the only one, not me. When God says, I will take away the worms and all these other things, what does he mean? I, I'm not boasting. I have eyes that are not supposed to see. I can see. <laughs> see and I can see. And, I, and I don't, who, Somebody was telling me recently, yeah, my secretary was telling me, when the, the doctor said, you are having a tremendous headache. So he said he has pressure. When he told the pressure, I laughed. So, but said, "What do you put your in your pocket?" Yeah, but I can see. I have, no. They are, I'm not telling you. I'm telling you my story. What is your story? Some of them you have even no idea, no idea about how God protects you from thieves, from liars, from political opportunists, from criminals, from liars. From you have no idea. So this is what I'm able to do for you, but you don't want it because I can give you more than you can ever give me. Protection. How much you pay for security guard? You haven't heard that people were killed by their own security details. You haven't heard it. God says, I'll give you more. I'm not only your provider, I'm your protector. Help me preach the third one quickly. I am your partner. Hello. God as your partner. Here, God was talking about his church. He said, Bring ye the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Let me get personal on this. What is God saying? When the people decided that they worship God, God eventually said, build a temple for me. And God said some people are part as a Levite, as a priest, so that will be worshipping going on in his house. He said, because you have robbed me in tithe and offering, there's nothing happening in my house. Friends, why do we worship God from the beginning? Because we think he's the creator, we come here. A human being is flesh or material, we have a soul, we have a spirit. When we come to church, God's house, it helps us focus on the soul and the spirit, teaches values. We have connections with people, we affirm the presence of God, we do all of these things. God forbid. When I say God forbid, may not happen to Calvary. But we know of places in Europe and all those places now where people have stopped going to church, they stopped giving their tithes, they stopped giving their offering. Church is dead. And what's the society? The moral is loose. It's bankrupt. This church can do more if we all decide that this is God's house. He doesn't live here. It's bigger than this. But if you all decide that, oh, okay, fine. this is what We are paying them too much. They shouldn't come. You don't give the tithe. You don't give the offering. What happens? They will go on strike. They go home. The church closed down. What will happen? I don't know. But when you all decide, so God says when you give like that, you are enabling my priests. You are enabling my people to work. You are enabling worship. You are enabling people to receive healing. You are enabling people to receive salvation. You are enabling people to go on missions. You do. You are co-partners with me in carrying out the mission that I have for saving you. But because you stopped, you are now thieves. You stop. There's nothing going on. People say, oh, for us I'm called. I say, okay. After I've been telling you this, and friends, after telling you this, you didn't even listen. What happened? So they got into trouble with the Greeks. They got into trouble with the Romans. They got into trouble with all these other people. God, as your partner, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. You say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offering. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Go to the next verse. Bring you the whole offering to the storehouse that they may be meat in my house. So if people go by and say, oh, in the olden days, the tithe was supposed to be the Levites. It's true for the Levites. Is there any equivalent of the Levites? Oh, are there people who are serving in the house of God? Do you pay electricity bill? Do you pay water bill? Do people clean here? Do they do all of these things? That's what the Lord is saying. Think about it. You'll get more than you paid for. God wants you to participate in running of this institution or his charities and families with him. Number four, God is a promise keeper. Oh, look at that boy who didn't think the father had anything to offer him. Part of the verse we read, of the two verses that are here, take the first one Proverbs 3 9 10. The boy had no idea what the father would do for him, he didn't believe it. But let's read together Proverbs Honor the Lord with the substance and with all the first fruits of your increase. Next verse. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and their presses shall burst out with new wine. Brothers and sisters, I can tell you this. This church has been sustained by the giving, faithful giving of 20% of our members. Incidentally, 20% have given for us to be able to do what we do. 80% They are up and down. And I'm not saying this to force you. I'm just telling you the fact. Those who give, (laughs) their bonds are filled, they give more. You see the trajectory of their giving. That's why we are here. But for those who do not give, you see them going down, 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 down. It is not my law. It is God's law. Okay. So if the hard times are coming, and that's how you are planning to save so that you will not have haircut, you will not have this and that. I'm saying God is a promise keeper. He doesn't owe anybody. He owns a cattle of a thousand. He doesn't owe you. Look at the other one. The other one, (laughs) this is a more serious one. In fairness, the context of give is not giving. It's about insults and abuses and judging people. But secondary application is that, let's read it together, we like it. Give and shall be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and turning or running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with what? <laughs> you read it for me. God is a promise keeper. He just wants to give you the opportunity to know whether you, you are, you're going to be faithful or not and if the choice is yours. The last one, the fifth point. God as a rewarder for now and eternity. My time is gone. He rewards you now and in eternity. Luke 16, 10 to 13. You hold it there. You hold it there. You read it yourself. This year we're called by the Director General of SNIT to address pastors. And what he said made so many of us weep. He said, in this country, about 90% of the people are poor. They, do, they did not contribute to SNIT during their working time. And in their old age, in their pension time, they are suffering. So one, encourage your people who are below 45 to start contributing to SNIT. Number two, tell them that whatever they contribute, they will get a proportionate pension until they die. And tell them that there are people who contributed and they are getting as little as 300 CDs a month and others who are getting as much as 142,000 CDs a month from their pension. Did you hear me? Each one according to your contribution. Say, pastors, the poor are with you. So I come back to you. This is what is happening in Snake. And he's begging us but some people, it will happen after you die, that you didn't contribute anything here, and you remain square. You didn't, get, you didn't do anything here because I didn't teach you, or you chose not to pray. That's why I don't want to be held guilty for not teaching you. The man said, well, President Akufuado, in his graciousness, I don't know whether it will work, I hear he a, He said he assigned a law to increase the 300 minimum. He said, even those who get 300 minimum are those who are they just contributed something keke. And they just decided to give them 300 keke. The president said, I've made it for them 800 CDs. We thank God. We won't clap for the president. Please don't, don't, get, don't take me there. <laughs> they have to find money. To, and they will get it until they die. Can you learn something from this? My conclusion is simple God, give me the. What are we looking at today? We've seen the basis of giving. It is not a man-made law it is a response that you have as to the goodness of God have you offered your life to Christ is He your Lord and Savior are you where you ought to be what are you going to do about what I just told you first this is a good month where what you have heard if you want to put it into practice good this December Lord I'll be faithful to you but as a church on the 15th day of January 2023, if the Lord tarries, we'll have Covenant Sunday, and we we'll challenge and encourage you to look at the five things that Malachi and other passages teach us, and make a covenant relationship with God if you choose, and you see how the Lord will help you. May God bless us to be not hearers of the word, but doers as well, and the blessings will be yours. You have more than you can carry, not for yourself but to bless others as well. Amen.